Welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. Of course, I'm Stephen Whedon, always joining me, Mr. Wal- Walter Lukashensky, fresh off a trip from Vegas. How are you feeling, bud? Man, glad you brought up the Vegas trip. That was a phenomenal time. Only way it could have been better is if the Raiders were there this week or even playing in general. But I've never had the opportunity or experience to walk around and see a plethora of Raiders jerseys and gear with me. It was weird not to see another Raiders fan and flip out every time. So, I mean, I'm pretty fired up to be back. But, yeah, it was it was a great week in Steven. So I definitely appreciate you asking about that. Yeah, of course. As long as you make it back in one piece, I know you at least had a solid time. But while you're out there enjoying yourself, losing, potentially winning some money, we had a crazy – what, week six here in the NFL? I mean, my goodness, there's scores that we just could not predict. The Falcons taking a lead and holding on. The Giants in the win column. The Broncos going to New England and winning. I mean, my goodness, Wally, I know that you're out there, so you had the best seat in the house watching all the games Sunday. I pretty much lost every bet I could have found. If you were wondering who won, basically just look at my ticket and pick the other team. So it was a rough one. We're going to get back in the win column this week, though, Stephen. Well, a team last week that got in the win column for the first time and quickly back in the L column, the Houston Texans, losing an absolute barn burner to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this game, that fourth quarter was amazing. Deshaun Watson, four touchdowns on 335 yards. But Ryan Tannehill, 30 of 41, 364, also matching Deshaun Watson's four touchdowns, does throw an interception, and of course, King Henry, 22 carries on 212 yards and two touchdowns. I thank you, Derrick Henry. I have you on my fantasy team, and I needed every single one of those points this week. But man, oh man, is it finally that time to push the extreme panic button on the Houston Texans? And are the Tennessee Titans, after what, an impromptu bye week here, they're looking like the real deal with Ryan Tannehill leading this pack. So, Wally, what are your thoughts on both your teams going into week seven here? Well, first of all, for the Texans, I feel like the panic button has already been smashed. You do that when you fire your head coach. Really felt like this must have had to be a must win if the Texans had any playoff hopes. In the AFC, I know there's seven spots this year. It's by far the tougher conference of the two. There's going to be the seven seeds going to be a 10 and 16. I do not see a team like the Texans getting in. They'd have to go something like 9-1, and one, at worst 8-2 and two down the stretch. And they're simply not good enough. I love Watson. He's an outstanding quarterback. But, man, there's holes on that defense. They're struggling to stop teams. I know everyone st- struggles to stop Derrick Henry, as we saw another one of those 94-yard touchdown runs from him. It seems like for a guy his size, it's stupid how often he could break free and simply outrun everybody. He, I mean, he had the... Go ahead. Sorry. No, like I was even watching it today. I was just watching it with the girlfriend, not today on Sunday, but there was five people around him when he was breaking off on that run. And I look and I go, he's gone. Next thing you know, there's 10 yards of separation. He just takes off. It's miraculous how fast this man can get up. And then when asked about his peak speed, about being slightly over 21 miles per hour, he said, not good enough. Well, that's the crazy thing is that he recorded the fastest time in week six this week. People his size should not be recording the fastest recorded time. That is absurd. And to be honest, this Titans team is looking scarier and scarier by the minute. I'm sure you got to see, but Mike Vrabel is getting lauded this week for that brilliant too many men on the field penalty or too many men in the huddle. Outstanding. 
the audacity to when he's asked about it the following day to smirk and say, yeah, we have to take fewer penalties. We got to be better than that, more disciplined, knowing full well it was a deliberate way to sneak around a very broken rule. I mean, we talk a lot about Belichick's disciples going out and how they do. He's a true Belichick uh, disciple. He didn't have to be a coach. He was clearly intelligent enough to be a coach on the field, and we're seeing it right now. We're not far away from guys like Belichick and uh, Pete Carroll moving on. He might be that next wave with Kyle Shanahan as the next super geniuses coming up here, Stephen. Now, that's a bold take right there, but I will have to agree with you if we backtrack a little bit where everyone always dogs the disciples of Bill Belichick, but no one's really talking about Mike Vrabel because he didn't come up in the coaching ranks. He was just mm-hmm. a great linebacker for them, but he's always left off. So I agree. He is. He's getting this team ready to play, and he's just got that old school feeling, but with a little with a little sprinkle of new school right on top. That, he's got that defense that's hungry and scary to play against. He got that big line with the, obviously a great running back. Then he sprinkled the new game with Ryan Tannehill, and all of a sudden this team is what we thought was a one year fluke last year. Potentially looking to be in the AFC title game again this year. I mean, if there's, we'll get to him in a little bit, but if there's anybody out there that can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, to me, it's this Tennessee Titans team and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't think that there's anybody else that can legitimately beat them and move on to the Super Bowl out of AFC. So you're not even going to, you're just taking the Ravens out. That's not even a thought in your mind right now. Gone. Prove it to me. It's the same as the Bills last night. Prove you can win on the big stage. I'm not buying it until I see it. Winning on the big stage is hard for everyone, Wally. But, man, this man, Joe Burrow, cannot get it done. And it's obviously from his team around. But the Bengals, who had a very, very nice lead at one point against the Indianapolis Colts, lose 31-27 to against said Indianapolis Colts. Joe Burrow, back in the back in the 300-plus yard column, passing yard-wise, no touchdowns, one interception. Joe Mixon with 18 touches and 54 yards and a tutty. Kind of left a little bit in that game, came back in. But, man, Phillip Rivers is getting this team going a little bit. Now he's back to the 40-plus pass attempts here that we're used to seeing based off week one. 29-44, 371, three touchdowns and an interception. And the rookie, Jonathan Taylor, adding 12 touches with 60, 60 yards here on the ground. So, Wally, I'll pose this question for you. We know we're all high on Joey B. We've been high on Joey B. Joey B. And that is not going to change. Is it time to potentially take this Indianapolis coach team a little more serious? Uh, to be honest, I think I'm still holding out the thought that they might be a little bit of a pretender. I mean, we're seeing that they have they have won games they're supposed to, excluding that opening week when they they lost to Jacksonville. They've done their job, and good for them for doing that. But they play teams like Cleveland who. All of a sudden, we have a lot more questions about two. They're showing signs that they're going to be good, not great, nothing special. I think that you could see them potentially slip into the postseason, but with a quick exit. As for Joey being the Bengals, you're up 21 nothing. These are the type of games you have to learn how to win. They, I, they end up giving up 21 second half points, or for second quarter points, excuse me, Stephen, but... You only get three points in the second half. You got to be better than that. They will be better than that. Burrow still looks outstanding. Stat line's deceptive. Threw another one of those rookie mistake uh, interceptions to end the game, but no reason to panic yet. If I'm a Bengals fan, if there's a year to be bad, you already have your quarterback. This is it. Only problem is 
There's nine teams with one win or fewer right now, and that is absurd when you're going into the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes going this next offseason anyways. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath this year, Wally. Like you said, there's nine teams with one win. The Bengals have a tie. If the season ended today, the Bengals would have the ninth pick. That just shows how piss poor the bottom ten of the NFL is this year. And it's going to be fun. You have Trevor Lawrence. You got Justin Fields. And potentially that other kid out of out of what North Dakota State, wherever Carson Wentz came out of, people are saying that they're gonna he's gonna give Trevor Lawrence a run for their money. So I'm pretty interested to see how that's gonna wind up. But my God, nine teams with one win. What the hell is going on in the NFL this year? It's been a brutal year so far. And speaking of one win teams, you have this last weekend going into the game. You have the Falcons still looking for that first win going up against the one and four Vikings at home who've yet to get a home victory. And what happens? The Falcons go up and they just dominate this game from start to finish at a 20 nothing halftime lead and never look back. Dan Quinn, again, great guy, but it was clearly time for them to move on. And it feels like that locker room might have actually got a little kick in the ass too after that. And credit to the Falcons. They got a lead. And like you alluded to earlier, they held on to a lead. It's as bizarre as that is. And the Atlanta Falcons Twitter account even made a great little uh, poke at fun at their own team where they sent a, a, a caption of office fans out there, Kevin Malone, crying about how his life has been really struggling. It's just nice to win one. It was the perfect job by an NFL team to look in the mirror and be self-aware. And who knows, Stephen, maybe we're, we'll look back in a few weeks. They have a relatively easy schedule. Do you think the Falcons might be able to at least get back into at least a wild card discussion? I picked the Falcons at 11 and 5. This is the start of the 11 0 <laughs> run to make sure I'm right. <clears throat> but on a more realistic approach, absolutely not. I don't think that they're even going to be able to sniff the wild card spot. I think the Panthers, if, if any team was going to sniff the wild card spot out of that, or in that division, the the last wild card spot, I should say, it's going to be the Panthers. I think the Falcons should mark this up. How many times have I alluded to this? Blow the team up. Get Matt Ryan out of there. Get my guy Julio Jones out of there. Keep Calvin Ridley. Got to get, obviously, Todd Gurley. He's not really a main focal point of their offense. He's only been there for you know six games this year. But you just got to blow that up and just start from scratch. And at this point, you might as well just – embrace the losing so you can get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields because they at least have the best opportunity out of all these teams. But, man, Minnesota, what the hell happened? Your son, Kirk Cousins, you think, is the savior. Man, is throwing three interceptions this game. 343 yards with three touchdowns, but three interceptions that ultimately could have cost the game. I mean, hell, if, it was, if you take two of those off, they potentially could have came back and beat Atlanta which there's really no story there at this point. We were just expecting that. And Minnesota just completely shit the bed in this regard. So you can't blame it all not not having Dalvin Cook there. Kirk Cousins, he may be the problem. And we were seeing some stories out that if the interceptions continue on Kirk Cousins' sides, he could, uh, he could potentially be getting benched there. I don't even know who the hell their backup is. Oh, and that's a very, very expensive seat to have right now. 
But if you are Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings, you have to think about it. Kirk Cousins has not been very good. You're one in five. You have to wonder about what your future is, if Kirk Cousins is a part of it. As for the Falcons, I mean, congrats to them. Dan Quinn's gone. I Dan Quinn, as we've said, great guy. I really hope he does well. He'll have a job somewhere else. It was just time to move on in Atlanta. I mean, in this game, they jump out up 20 nothing in the first half, completely dominated the pace of this game. It really makes you wonder here what they're going to do down the stretch. Uh, I don't think they're going to move on from those guys, so we'll see. It all really does come down to if the Falcons believe that they can still win with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and honestly, I think they do. But they do have a little bit of an identity crisis right now. But speaking of identity crisis, you have the Denver Broncos going into New England this week. They beat them 18-12 to without scoring a single touchdown in this game. Patriots are 2-3. and three. They are under 500. I have to double-check this to make sure I'm right. But I'm pretty sure I heard they're under 500 for the first time since 2002. That is absolutely banana lands. Steven, what kind of, I mean, we want to talk about an identity crisis, problems, or looking in the mirror. Do the Patriots have a realistic shot still to win this AFC East or even slip in as a wild card? Or do we think we might see the Patriots out of the playoffs for the first time in a very long time? You know, at the be- at the beginning of the year, I wasn't that high on the Patriots, even with Cam Newton. Now, I still am the believer. We'll get to the Bills here in a little bit, but I'm still a believer of the Bills winning the AFC East. So, no, I don't think that New England's going to be any sort of a threat. I think this is kind of a realization of what we should be expecting out of this team. And that is just 18 to 12. That is the most Vic Fangio score I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, that is such a defensive game. He needed that game. I felt like if he would have lost this game, a close game like this in New England, he potentially could have gotten fired. But the fact that he had the kicker, put the team on his back a little bit, and grind out just an ugly, ugly win like this, that speaks a lot about how that defense is playing. Without a Von Miller, without arguably top three rushers in the league. So he has them playing great. But yeah, New England with their identity, I don't know what they are. They're a Cam Newton-led team. This is the Cam Newton I'm expecting to see. 17 of 25, 157 yards and two interceptions, 10 touches and 76 yards and a touchdown. I'm expecting to see more rushing yards, but this is the type of passer I knew and expected Cam Newton to be. So this should not surprise me. And you give him a week off because of the corona issue. So he's going to be a little bit more rusty going into this game. He's not preparing for it as much as you think he would. But at the end of the day, the Patriots have been looking good the first few weeks. And this is the Patriots team I thought that they were going to be all season. So I don't know if this is potentially a bad game for them. Or maybe it's just the start of something that's going to be normalized here throughout the whole season with New England. But nothing I could ever, ever get normal looking at is the New York Giants pulling out a win, let alone a very close win against the Washington football team, or as Wally likes to call them, the Washington former skins. You like that? Former skins instead of foreskins? I thought you would enjoy that, Steven. I, you know what? I did. You caught me. You caught me. But your boy, Danny Dimes, <laughs> sheesh, he's he's looking like a penny. 12 of 19, 120, sorry, 112 yards, a touchdown and, and an interception. But this man led the New York Giants in rushing. 
seven carries for 74 yards. But Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen's the story. He's the truth. I'm telling you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne. Sorry, all the OSU lovers. Kyle Allen, 31 of 42, 280, two touchdowns and an interception. But the most important stat for him is the W, not only in the logo, but also in that particular column. The Giants are who we think they are. They're an absolute dumpster fire, and Danny Dimes is not who we thought they are. Is there anything to look more into in this game? Is there someone that should be poking out to us that they're an absolute stud? Or is this just another garbage game that we can wash over? See, this is a garbage game we should be able to wash over. But here's the crazy thing, Steven, is both of these teams are a game out of first place. They're a game out of first place halfway through October with a win apiece. And I'm not going to sit here and give all the credit to Kyle Allen because New York Giants, this isn't Lawrence Taylor. This isn't that Giants defense. This is one of the worst defenses in the league. And we're going to crown the guy for throwing for 280 yards and two touchdowns? No, absolutely not. Free Dwayne Haskins. They're making up this gastrointestine problem. He's not even the backup right now. That's fine. Free him. He'll go have an opportunity. Neither one of these teams have a realistic shot to do anything. But then again, neither do any of the other teams in the NFC East, so who knows? What do you think? I mean, you could legitimately make a case that the winner of this division comes away with six or seven wins. Maybe one of these teams gets hot in division matchups, and maybe we see that. Chase Young, finally back and healthy. He's the highest graded, whatever, if you hold pro football focus, high esteem. If not, take it with a grain of salt. He was the highest graded rookie defensive player this last weekend. He was outstanding. but no, man, there's there's very little positives to take away from either side. If anything, the only positive I'd take is I love Ron Rivera going for two there at the end. It makes sense. Both of these teams are bad. Don't go to overtime. Try to go down and sneak out a win right there at the end. Hey, folks. Here's the fun part of uh, doing podcasts with us as we're starting to get the hang of it. Steven's audio cut out there a little bit. I'm going back through editing. He was talking a little bit about the Ravens and Eagles. He's very high on uh, said Ravens. And he's, believe it or not, much higher on the Eagles than I am. He's still under the impression because of how bad that division is. They will uh, do well. He was talking about how bad of a gambling beat this was because they were nine and a half point favorites. The Ravens were up 18 points going into this fourth quarter. And the Eagles suck. So I'll just jump over now to, or I'll transition to Stephen asking me about my takes on this game, why I'm not so high on the Ravens, and why I'm even lower on the Philadelphia Eagles. Piss poor. They suck. I'm not worried about either one of them. See, Stephen... I will take it away. The Eagles suck. This is awesome. They were down 17 nothing at halftime at home. That's terrific. We got to see Philadelphia Eagle fans fighting the Ravens fans with 10,000 people in the stands. If there's anything that can say anything about this city, take, that's it. That says everything you need to know about this group. The Ravens, though, they're yeah, they're winning games, and that's at the end of the day what we was most important in this league. But it seems like teams are at least – adjusting a little bit more to this rush attack. Lamar still looks relatively good in the air, but they're not as dominant as we got to see them in the last few years. They're 5-1. and one. I'm not going to knock them for winning their games. But 
I don't think that there's anything special here. I've already said it. I think until they prove it and they can win a big game, I'm not going to pick them. I think that there's a good chance this year. I'm putting it on record. I think that they're going to lose both their regular season games against Pittsburgh Steelers right now. This Steelers team is much better, and we'll get into them here in a minute as we're going to talk about that show lacking they gave the Cleveland Browns. But the Ravens, I they go and prove it. Prove it to me. This second half or the second halves I'm worried about. You give up 28 points to a lifeless Eagles team that is looking for reasons to quit right now offensively. That's a big red flag. I don't like it. I feel really bad for anybody that had the Ravens covering, which go figure another bet I probably lost this week. I'm going to toss about Steven. You're waving me down. Please go ahead and tell me a little bit more about how miserable that gambling loss was. Yeah, no, that was opened up at eight when we had our when we had episode six out. I think I think it ended up closing at nine, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is still a lock. You should or you should have taken it at minus seven. Doesn't fucking matter. You should have taken the Eagles plus all day. So it's upsetting. But that, but what did I, what have I alluded to? All the time about the Eagles. Right when you're counting them out, they come and play. They did it against San Francisco. They obviously just did it now. As much as you hate it, Wally, it's going to happen, bud. They're one, four, and one. I can't be excited. What am I supposed to do? Throw a parade for them? You guys might win, go six, nine, and one this year and win the NFC East. Congrats. Hang a banner. You're just salty because. They can have a losing record and still win the division. You're sitting here for the past 20 years watching your team have a losing record and do absolutely nothing. So I get it. I'll keep it in the state, and I'll keep it with you, Walter. The Pittsburgh Steelers giving it to the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sorry, guys. I don't mean to sound excited, but I've just been hearing so much chirp with all my boys. This is the game that kind of shut shut them up, and maybe people are realizing Baker Mayfield is not that guy. As you can tell with this stat line here, 10 of 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. And Case Keenum came in the fourth quarter. 5 of 10 for 46. That's about it. Kareem Hunt couldn't get started with 13 touches and 40 and 40 yards. But, man, the Steelers are looking good. They're looking dangerous. Big Ben's not putting up crazy numbers. 14 of 22 with a buck 62 and a touchdown. James Conner with 20 touches and one-on-one with a touchdown. But this team, this defense is scary. Wally. Obviously, the Browns just got shellacked. How much should we look into this that maybe is it either the Browns aren't real enough or maybe the Steelers are just that real? And may I go as far as saying I now have them winning that division? No, without a doubt, like I was saying, I think the Steelers beat the Ravens twice. And if they do that, the division's theirs. They will not win, lose the division if that does happen. I'm not going to give up on Baker if I'm a Browns fan yet. You got to see what Case Keenum did when he came in. He didn't do anything special either. That Steelers defense is the best in the NFL. And to be honest, I don't think it's that close. But he, the only thing, if I'm going to worry about the Steelers at all, and talk about nitpicking, because this team's 5-0 and right now, but they are 4-0 and at home. They've only had one road game so far. It's going to be a little interesting to see. I mean, they've already played half their home games, and they have 13 left. Or what? 11 left. Sorry. Misspoke. I think the Steelers team has the best chance with Tennessee, as I said, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a matchup in the postseason. The Steelers team reminds me a very, very great deal 
like the Denver Broncos team in Peyton Manning's final year. Ben Roethlisberger, he's starting to show his age a little bit. He's not as flashy as he once was, but that football IQ remains there. And the Steelers, if they are able to get a little bit more out of James Conner, he finally put together a decent game on Sunday. That's the recipe to beat teams like the Chiefs. Go out, let your defense go and get a few sacks, force a few turnovers, and your offense is going to be very responsible with the ball, and they will win games. As the Browns, I'm I'm not going to completely panic. They've lost to two very good teams in the Steelers and Ravens, and both of those teams probably a little tired about hearing about the Browns talk the last, what, 24 months that we've had to hear about the Browns being – Ever They're since they come, got Odell yeah. on the train. Yeah, exactly. They went from being nobody's to, wow, this is, is this a Super Bowl Browns contender team? No, they're not. They still have a lot to figure out. I think the rest of this year is going to be a basically a test for Baker to figure out if they move on or if they stick with him. Because Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford become available after this postseason or uh, this regular season. Who knows what happens if the Browns go and maybe take a run at one of these guys. Because they're not going to be able to get one of the stud top quarterbacks unless they move into the top 10. But again, final takeaway, Steelers, very, very, very good. Browns, still a pretty good team, but they go up a class and it, it looks a little little rough. Hopefully they can they can figure it out and still stay on the trajectory to make the playoffs. That could potentially be a uh, bloodbath in itself in that division, you know, Next thing you know, maybe maybe Baltimore loses a couple that they shouldn't. Steelers are not acting like we normally portray them as, playing down to their opponent's talent level. So it's going to be interesting. And a game that I particularly do not want to talk about, so that's why I'm going to toss it to you here, Wally. The Chicago Bears, now 5-1, and one, beating the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, just putting up a solid team game. Nick Foles, 22 of 39. 198 touchdown interception. David Montgomery, 19 touches for 58 yards. There's nothing special that sticks out to me here, but Chicago, defensively, they are getting it done. They are not fucking around this year whatsoever. They're only, what, a top six or seven defense, but what they've been able to do with their opponents is they're just absolutely shutting them down. So, Wally, I have to ask you the ugly question. Is this Chicago Bears team real? It should Green Bay should be worried about them a little bit. Worry? Maybe slightly? But I'm still picking the Packers to win this division. But as it does sit, this Bears team, because their loss came to an AFC opponent and their the Packers' loss came to Tampa Bay, the Bears currently sit atop that division. If they do manage to split with the Packers, who knows what can happen? When you have a defense as talented as this Bears and you finally have Khalil Mack once again back at that level we've known him as for the better part of, what, over five years now, yeah, this Bears team could at least pose a threat to anybody in the NFC. I'm still going to pick the big dogs ahead of them, but I was starting to come around on this Charlotte or Charlotte Carolina Panthers team, and... I didn't expect the Bears to, to win this game. I put money on the Panthers straight up, and wow, I was wrong yet again. It seems like every week I talk about how the Bears are a fraud. They are going to lose the upcoming week, and all they continue to do is win. So I'll keep an eye on them. I'm not going to get too high on them yet, uh, but it, it, it's definitely a team you got to 
look at, I mean, since Nick Foles has come in, the offense is at least protecting the ball and being responsible. I know we say that a lot, but with a defense like that, all you have to be is responsible, you know? You can't even say that confidently. You just laughed and <laughs> broke a smirk while saying that. Yeah. Chicago's looking like a typical Chicago team of the past decade plus. They have a good running game. They have a very scary defense led by some sort of monster. You know, if that was <laughs> Erlacher in the past or maybe Khalil Mack, you, know, you got Danny Trevathan. I mean, there's just a plethora of people you can pick from right now. And they just have a quarterback that can manage the game. Now, Nick Foles is a good quarterback. He still, he still turned the ball over for you one time, and he turned it over one time when he came in against Atlanta. So he's going to do that. But, yeah, this uh, this Chicago team, it just feels a little bit a little bit different. I'm not too excited about it. But like I've said before in the past, let's meet up with Green Bay before I really start freaking out. But we'll get to the we'll get to the Green Bay game here in a little bit. But let's keep it in the division, Wally. The Lions in the win column. Gotta scratch my eyes. Is that back to back weeks? What the hell's going on out here? Vince Lombardi would say. <laughs> Thirty four to sixteen over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we were high on for about one half against the Colts on uh, on the first uh, first week of the NFL, but man, Matt Stafford, nineteen of thirty one, two twenty three touchdown and interception. But DeAndre Swift coming out, fourteen touches, one hundred and sixteen yards, two touchdowns. Had him in my starting lineup for one of my fantasy teams, and at the last minute, took him out, dropped him, picked up Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams shit the bed for me. So with that being said, Wally. The Lions are starting to put some games together here. They're starting to put some points up together. I am not buying into you're either one gonna, of these things. You're not even going to let me finish. That's how much you want to get in here. <laughs> I just see this is one of those games where it's just it, it's one of those where it's the most forgettable thing on Sunday. I say that, but the next team we're to talk about is almost equally as forgettable. But the, the Jaguars, like I, I, I really like. I like Gardner Minshew as a person. I like him a lot. He's a character. I like him as a quarterback. Don't you fucking do this to me. I'm doing it to you. I'm doing it to you. Gardner Minshew is the guy. He's the perfect Ryan Fitzpatrick-like guy who can come in in a pinch. If your quarterback's getting hurt, you can play him for six weeks. If your team's talented enough, he he won't lose you games. But he's not going to go out and win you him either. And I'm not going to give a guy like this a contract especially if you're a team like the Jaguars who really feasibly and realistically could lose the rest of the year. They might lose the final 15 games of this season. And if that's the case, you best believe I'm taking Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. As for the Lions, they're they're uh, they're here. They're going to be I guess annoying to play, but they're not good. I mean, this is a this is all the skeleton makeup of a 6 and 10 team. This is a really boring game. I can't get excited about Honestly, any part of this, DeAndre Swift, if I'm I'm a Lions fan, at least you can be fired up there. He, he looks like he's the real deal ever since that drop against the Bears in week one that should have put the Lions effectively now at three and two. He's been outstanding, so there's that. But Stafford's going to be gone. I really do think Stafford's gone at the end of this year. It's a bleak time to be a fan of either one of these teams. All I can say is look forward to the draft and free agency. That's what we have to look forward to. Yeesh. Brock, my guy, Brock Chamberlain, how often have you heard that 
we're just going to wait until the draft and we're going to be able to attack. Man, that's got to <laughs> – I mean, at least since birth you've been hearing that. Yeah, it's been rough. So let's – what's Breeze Path this? Breeze oh, yeah. past this. There's really nothing that we need to talk about. Just like in this next game, Miami beat the New York Jets. Yeah, big surprise, 24 nothing. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 18 of 27, 191 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Joe Flacco – Looking like Joe Flacco, who we, we have been dogging since before he won the Super Bowl. Same Joe Flacco. Really nothing to talk about here. Biggest thing to talk about, Tua comes in late. Two for two for nine yards. Absolute dominant performance on Tua's part. But now all of a sudden, after Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick puts up back-to-back 24-point wins, he's getting benched, and now Tua is the starter. The only thing I really have to talk about, two things. A, how pumped are you to see Tua out there? Let's see what he's going to be like. And B, do you think that this is the right time for them to make him the starter? First of all, the Jets are worthless. Like you said, let's not even talk about them. They're a dumb spot. There's a legitimate chance they don't win a game this year. The Dolphins, is it the right time? I guess you could argue either way where Fitzpatrick has been good. The Dolphins are turning it around. Flores is clearly a good coach. For me, I don't disagree with this at all, purely because if you're a Dolphins fan, you can realist, like look in the mirror and talk to yourself, be self-aware enough to know this is not a team that has the capability to win a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, that's what we're playing for. You're not good enough to win the AFC East. You're not good enough. The Patriots and the Bills are both still better than you. So this is a way, while you still are realistically in the playoff run as a wildcard contender, it's the perfect time to bring in Tua because Tua can come in now, play meaningful snaps, and he has 10 games to just get back in the flow of things. You go into next year, you have another decent draft class, and all of a sudden, who knows, the Dolphins might actually be in the running for an AFC East crown. But for right now, sure, you bring in Tua, you, you, you let this happen, you let him get a little work against some teams, like I said, in meaningful action. So I don't disagree with it at all. Were you a fan of Tua coming or being named the starter, or were you a little bit more on the Fitzpatrick bandwagon here? I was I was still more on the Fitzpatrick bandwagon, still letting him go. I mean, he's the one who brought this team into competitiveness, I guess you could say, in the division. Only only one game back from the Bills. So it did not make a lot of sense for me. I get why you're gonna want to have Tua in there, but right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick just put up 24-point victories in back-to-back weeks, and now you're like, you know what? Time for Tua. Didn't really make sense for me, but at the same time, I'm not in that building. I'm not seeing everyday (laughs) production. And I think at the end of the day, we all know, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick knew, that he was there strictly to mentor this kid. So kudos to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you see him too as he was running off the field on Sunday? He was jacking up the crowd for Tua to come in. That's a guy that gets it, like you said. He knows why he's there. That's a guy that understands he's a placeholder. Knowing what you are to the team is the most important thing you can be as a teammate. So, yeah, that's that's something that you want. And I love it. And kudos to you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, to, just to have the uh, – did you know that he went to Harvard? Just to have no. <laughs> that professionality for him, just to know exactly what his what his spot is. And he just knows, and you heard it in the in the first few press conferences he had this year, being at this age and being able to come out here doing what you love every Sunday, that's awesome. 
coming out here and doing what you love every Sunday from the bench and not having to get hurt and putting yourself into jeopardy uh, mentally because of all the concussions and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that you come from football, that sounds nice. And I would not mind uh, getting the league minimum of $1.2 million just to make sure that two is just doing just fine. So I'm sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay with it. And I'm sure that the family's okay with that NFL money coming in. Hey, how about this, though? The Jets scored zero points this week. You know who else scored zero points from the second quarter through the remainder of the game? The Green Bay Packers. So, Steven, the Packers went to Tampa Bay. They go up 10 nothing in the first quarter. They get outscored 38 to nothing down the stretch. Dude, what happened? So just because I always like being right, uh, the Packers were actually shut out for three quarters, not just one half. So you're an idiot, Wally. What happened? You know what happened? Something that we never thought we'd ever have to explain. Never thought we'd have to explain. Excuse me. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, but he threw two pick sixes. So the game starts off just like every normal Sunday Monday night watching the Packers this year. Oh yeah, they scored in the you know they scored on this drive. They scored on this drive. So they scored on back to back drives. Then they don't do shit the rest of the game. They had the two pick sixes in the first in the first half that completely took them away. And it was it was all Tampa Bay the rest of the game. But I'm not going to sit here and just praise Tom Brady in the offense. The offense didn't really do shit. Yeah, Ronald Jones, 23 touches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. Tom Brady, 17 of 27 for 166 and two touchdowns. Outside of the second quarter, Brady didn't do shit. That was all that was all Rojo, Rojo the second. I will give him that. The the Buccaneers played a complete game from all three aspects of it. They played a complete game. Obviously, the defense sticking out, but if anything. This is making me sound smart and right about my own Green Bay Packers. Because how long have I been saying, wait until we play someone, wait until we play someone. And this game just makes you realize that this is the Packers of last year. They're just a fluke. They clearly cannot stop the running game this year. Again, their defense has fallen off from last year. They were a top 10 defense last year. Not doing so hot this year. I want to say like 15 to 20 range is where they're sitting at right now. So this game just clearly depicted that Green Bay is the team of old of last year. Aaron Rodgers can make your team look good. But at the end of the day, if you can't stop the run, everyone looks bad. But I like it because it gets it gets the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up, gets them going a little bit, and has gives me the opportunity to prove you wrong, Walter. So I'll ask you now, since you put me on the spot, how to take how to take the noose from around my neck, just to do this segment. But what what does this tell you about the Packers and the Buccaneers? Okay, for first of all, the Packers. You're right. We we probably should have been a little. Uh, we were a little you, quick to you. I don't know who we is. You. I'm not saying we as in you. I'm saying you are we saying as we. a country. I'm saying we as a country. Sports media, probably majority outside of Green Bay, were already saying, hey, you know what? Uh, coming out of the NFC this year, it's going to be Seattle, Green Bay, 
or whoever it is down in the, the NFC South. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely jump off that take and say the Packers are done because of this week. The Buccaneers have a very good defense, a, a very good run defense. They made Aaron Rodgers throw the ball a little bit more. What? You, you as fucking what? How? <laughs> I was writing this defense in the beginning of the year, and he said, I don't really think that this defense can do it. Number two in the league. I'm sorry, number one in the league. Continue, Walter. See, no, I'm not worried about their their rush defense. Their rush defense was one of the best in NFL history last year, top 20. Their secondary is what I was worried about going to year. Clearly, having a good pass rush, having a good run defense is aiding in that pass secondary. I'm not going to crown them yet. I'm not crowning the Bucks yet. I won't do it. And this this next Monday or this next Sunday, guess what? They have a date at eight o'clock with the oh, I almost said Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know what? Talk about strength on strength. The Raiders are one of the best running attacks in the entire league, going against one of the best rush defenses in a long, long time. I think it's going to tell a lot about both those teams. But I'm not panicking on the Packers. I'm not going to crown the Buccaneers. I'm going to treat this as what it is one week. We're going to revisit everything later on. Let's go and, and change that here to the 49ers were hosting the Rams, another team, the Rams, who started off so hot this year. Many people, not us, or at least not me, had the Rams as a potential Super Bowl threat or NFC West threat at the least. Didn't really look that much. Jimmy G came back. Jimmy B. G. had a decent game, 268 yards, three touchdowns, and the 49ers all of a sudden, three and three, have a little bit of life again. Do you think that either one of these teams are wild card teams or even NFC West threats? Maybe you have, have them higher than me. Or are you kind of, kind of like me where you think this is just both teams kind of reverting to what they really are, both right around a 500 team with the way their roster currently sits? If any of these teams are going to be 500 this year, it would be San Francisco, strictly because of the injuries that they've had to deal with offensively. Well, sorry, mostly defensively, but obviously offensively. It's going to be messing them up. I I don't know what what to think of this game. I don't think that this particular game between these two teams is going to dictate how they actually are for the whole NFL. This division's tough. And this is a NFC West score written all over it. Just increments of eight. They love going for it. It's a defensive game. When you didn't think that it was going to be a defensive game, you know, you're expecting a little bit more points out of how how much we are pumping the tires for their offenses. Yeah, their defense is, you know, what's coming up. Jared Goff throwing it throwing an interception here. That's just that's just an NFC West game in a nutshell right there. Just one possession grinding it out. I don't think that I think LA is still the number 2 spot in this division at the end of the day. San Francisco, the injuries are just going to be way too much piled up and I think that their their schedule is not going to be as favorable with those injuries. So I have the LA Rams taking the number 2 spot cuz at the end of the day Wally, it's Seattle's division to lose. So I have I have them going in there. I mean, what what do you think? Do you think that they both are going to run for the make a run for the wild card, or what are your thoughts? If if anybody makes a run, I I, I suppose it could be the Rams. 49ers defense is too banged up this year. I still think losing Nick Bosa is going to be 
an obstacle they cannot overcome. But even if the Rams make the playoffs, I think they're destined for a very quick exit in the postseason. I'm not particularly high on the NFC West outside of Seattle anymore. I really like the Niners, but again, banged up. I, I, I really just don't have any reason to be optimistic for a, a run out of either of these teams. It's what we've been saying all year. The Rams are going to go as, as Jared Goff is going to take them. And there's certain matchups that he's simply just not talented enough as an NFL quarterback to overcome. I'm not saying he's he's a, a bad quarterback. He's just simply not good enough to take this team to the next level. I mean, it truly took their defense being unreal and Sean McVay's offense hitting on all cylinders to get them to the Super Bowl a few years ago. I don't think they ever get to that summit again. Yeah, I don't I think that was their absolute peak. I don't I think mm-hmm. minimum or maximum I should say. Maximum is NFC championship game, and that's still a stretch. Because as far as I'm concerned, the NFC championship game is for the Green Bay Packers strictly to lose. So whoever's on the other side of it is most likely going to be a Seattle, potentially a Tampa Bay or or maybe New Orleans. We don't know. That's what's so fun about watching the season unfold because our our opinions from week one have changed drastically to this week. Yeah, squatting on takes is simply, I mean, it's not the right way to do it. That's not the intelligent way to be a fan. We It's simple as this. Things change. There's injuries. We get to see more. We learn more each week. All being a fan is, is constantly evolving your takes. And speaking of evolving takes, the Kansas City Chiefs, who I have been incredibly high on all year, even after that Raiders loss, I'm starting to wonder a little bit. Yeah, they won, and they won on the road at a tough Buffalo team. I just have a little bit of a, a sneaking suspicion that this offense is having a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover right now. Maybe it is simply they're bored. They know they're going to be in the postseason, so it's hard to get up for these regular season games. Do you think that there is reason to be concerned in Kansas City about Patrick Mahomes? Not necessarily saying he's not going to be good, but he wasn't, he's not playing at the level we saw him at last year. And they've had to completely depend on that run game yesterday to get out of Buffalo with a W. So the Chiefs have, have not been putting up the numbers, he's, especially these past like few weeks that we're you know, accustomed to. But I still wouldn't take that away that Patrick Mahomes can't play. 21 of 26, so five incompletions, two, 225, and two touchdowns. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with 26 touches and a buck 61. I think, if anything, we should be more scared about what these what this Chiefs team is doing because they're coming off a Super Bowl hangover. They're coming off a 24-year-old quarterback signing the biggest contract in NFL history. Are we are we just expecting him just to come out like nothing happened and him just throwing 45 touchdowns? No. That's unrealistic. There's going to be a little bit of a what's the word ego growing into that organization because of Patrick Mahomes signing that contract. But back to what I was saying, I think this makes this team more dangerous. Because this was, A, the most amount of rush attempts that Kansas City has had under Andy Reid. And you're taking that pressure off by signing arguably a top, I'll go with a top seven running back in the league. Because you can rattle off three to four, 
And then like five, six, and seven are kind of like, well, well, we can put him here. Le'Veon Bell's there. He's playing with that dysfunctional Jets team for the past year and a half. So you add Le'Veon Bell there, who's only going to open up your passing game, let alone it can help with your running game. So this is going to be dangerous. This this Patriots team, Patriots. This I'm just so used to having talking talking about them that it's hard to transition over to the next inevitable. It's the new Patriots. <laughs> they are the new Patriots. So, but this Chiefs team is going to be so dangerous because people are the next two or three weeks is going to be the same conversation. Oh, is this Patriots offense as dominant as we thought? Is Patrick Mahomes really worth half a billion dollars? Just wait. When it hits week 12, week 13, this team is going to be dangerous. They have a two-headed running monster with arguably a third in the backfield with Williams. Daryl Williams, not Damian. And then you have Pat Mahomes being able to do what he does best. This offensive line is not that great. But when you give the weapons to Pat Mahomes that you have given him, this team's going to be dangerous. Just wait for them to figure it out. Oh, man, and this team's going to be dangerous. But I'm, I'm going to throw it back to you here real quick, Wally. Is this Bills team maybe not the team that I was hyping them up to be all year, but maybe not the team everyone else was hyping them to be as the AFC East division winners? Yeah, so you've clearly heard me from the beginning of this season. I've been having the Patriots as my AFC East team this entire time. I'm not even going to knock the Bills because I think the Bills are a good team. They've overachieved from what I've expected so far. But similar to the Ravens, we starting, we're starting to see a little bit of a trend the last few years with Josh Allen and the Bills. They can win a lot of these games against the teams that they should beat or, or, or at least teams right around their level. They have not been able to go up against the big dogs and win in games that matter. And until that happens, I'm not going to believe that they're a realistic Super Bowl threat. Yeah, they are. They have a couple games in hand right now over the Patriots. They could very well end up winning this division. I might very well be wrong. But I don't think that they are world beaters we initially thought they were. The Chiefs defense that we are seeing, it's not bad. But it certainly shouldn't be holding a Buffalo Bills team that we've been hyping up their offense all year to 17 points in Buffalo. So that it's a little bit of a concern for me. Just real quick, back to the Chiefs. And not even, I'm going to sound like a hater. It might just be because I'm biased and I have no shame to admit it. Le'Veon Bell, I'm not really sure why there's so much hype still. We've seen now three straight years where he's either been, he sat out, he had an unproductive year. And then this year, yeah, he's been stuck in hell in New York because that truly is what it is. Adam Gase is driving that team into the ground. If the Jets want the number one pick, all I can say is keep Adam Gase around. I just don't think that Le'Veon Bell is going to be that much different. You have a great rookie back in Aguilera. And I think, yeah, maybe with Bell, you might see him get 12, 13 touches a game. And that's going to be the perfect fit for him to maybe get back in with this team. But without a doubt, coming out of this, I think both of these teams, they have their bold and board material. They have what they need or what they know they need to improve upon. And it's just a matter of now, will they do it throughout the course of the year? Now, Steven, let's go to the other Monday night game. Arizona went to Dallas and woof. If it was not for a late touchdown by Dallas, they would have lost this game by five touchdowns at home. I have been an Andy Dalton apologist 
for years. But man, this does not make me look very good. I won't pretend like it does. They do luckily have a game this upcoming week at Washington to hopefully get the offense clicking again. Do you right now think the Cowboys, with the lead by half a game over Philadelphia, are the NFC East favorites with Andy Dalton still? Or do you think that this team is in a lot of trouble? This team is in so much trouble. Defensively, they have given up the most points in the NFL. You have Andy Dalton coming in on a one week of practice, throwing 54 times, and Zeke Elliott has touched the ball 20 times. 12 of those carries, he fumbled two of those. So it's rough when you Zeke put them in that hole early on. But this 38-10 to 10 game doesn't really dictate how I think that this Cowboys team can actually play with Andy Dalton. If you have him passing 40. 54 times because you guys are behind the whole game. Yeah, they start the the Cowboys start off 14 nothing every single game. They play for they play from behind every single game. Dak Prescott is still leading the league in pass passing yards and he didn't play for the last 5 quarters. 5 and a half. Sorry. So that just proves how horrible this <laughs> Dallas defense is. They can't they can't stop a nosebleed. And you know what's funny? Dallas's defense is so bad that no one is talking about the fact that Kyler Murray went 9 of 24 for 188 yards with one touchdown. Yeah. That touchdown, though, did you see that ball? That was a sexy It was pass. a pretty ball. It was a pretty ball. I will not I will not knock that. You're your professional, your NFL quarterback, you should be making those pretty balls. But 9 of 24? That is not pretty. I don't care. I don't care if you gave me eight more of those pretty balls. If you're if you're an NFL quarterback, you should make you should be making twice as many of those balls every game. So Dallas, absolute dumpster fire. And as a as a Packers fan, I love, love watching Mike McCarthy just shit the bed. Because there's there's stories coming out that the Dallas players are fed up with the coaches already, that they're unprepared. They're not coming in with that energy that you know you need as a coach. So this might be a uh this might be a quick quick tenure for Mike McCarthy and maybe people are starting to realize that just like many Aaron Rodgers led offenses with Green Bay, how Aaron is will always cover up the mistakes that the whole team is facing. I think people are going to start realizing Aaron was also covering up the mistakes Mike McCarthy was making. Now, I have a question, too, going back, because I've been thinking a lot about it, and for some reason I feel like no one's really addressed it lately. The Cowboys now throw on McCarthy. You had Jason Garrett for a long tenure. You had Wade Phillips for a long tenure. You had Bill Parcells for a long tenure. What did you have in all of those? You had a good quarterback. You had a franchise quarterback in each of those situations with Tony Romo, with Dak Prescott. Before that, with Drew Bledsoe, with like even, I guess, the Troy Aikman – that's going to defeat my point for a minute. What is the common theme there? It's Jerry Jones at GM. Clearly, he's not going to fire himself. He's the owner. But there, these issues, I don't think are just going to get a magical fix at, at, at the head coaching position. I, wasn't, I don't think that Jason Garrett was a, a very great head coach. I don't think Wade Phillips was a good head coach. He's a very good defensive coordinator. But like, I, I just I, – I don't know how much – of the blame should be pushed here on coaching 
and how much of it we should be saying, hey, man, Jerry Jones, you're the only uh, common thread here in the last two decades. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and relinquish a little bit of them duties. Like you said, who the hell is going to be able to tell him that? He's the one that would have to be telling himself that. So it's <laughs> it's it's a double-edged sword. You you can't have it, and it's just I hate to resort to it, but it's like it's like an eight-year-old man from Alabama. How are you going to tell him not to be racist when he's just an eight-year-old man from Alabama? It's just like Jerry Jones. How are you going to tell him that he's doing a shitty job and he needs to get fired? Oh, no, I'm not doing a shitty job. You're doing a shitty job. I'm I'm the best one that there is. And that's all I ever hear out of Jerry Jones. That South Park episode where they always portray him, bug-eyed. I don't have bug-eyes. You do, Jerry. You need to get the fuck out of there. You needed to get the fuck out of there. After you were winning championships in the 90s, clearly the only correlation to you, to your team, and not winning championships is you, Jerry Jones, and your fucked up son, Stephen Jones. Fuck that. Name him James. Don't make him associate with the same name I'm having. So- <laughs> well, oh, oh, for the record, too, since you had to have a fun, fun correction on me earlier, I have to do, do it, it, too. He's from Arkansas. He doesn't even have the pride of saying he's from Alabama where there's winning football teams. He's a Razorback through and through. He's a joke even there. So, I mean, it's not even like he has that winning pedigree of Alabama. So, I mean, yeah, he's a bug-eyed freak, old-school country, southern man that's never going to relinquish his job. And if you hate Dallas, you should be reveling in it. Well, you know what? Fuck Dallas. Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck you, Skip Bayless, essentially. And Will Kane. I'm going to throw Will Kane in there because I just cannot stand that man. But this is all. We can throw this to the side, Walter. We can talk about what we really want to talk about. And that's getting you out of that fucking hole that you put yourself in. I don't know if it's maybe from betting on the World Series. Maybe just betting on the Thursday night game. Or maybe just throwing your whole bank account. At the football call it Saturday slate. What the hell's going on out here? But Walter and I are going to get you right into what picks we're going to have. So we're going to do a little bit. We're going to trade blows here. Kind of like, you know, Johnny Depp and any one of his supporting cast members in the movie. Blow. So, Wally, I'll start us off here. I'll go slow because our Brooks are going to be lined up a little bit different here. So we're going we're gonna to open up Thursday night game. The Giants are four-point underdogs to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going to pick the Eagles minus four because I have no confidence in the Giants. Wally, what you got here, bud? You're 100% right. Uh, Eagles four and a half for me in cover. I don't understand where this Vegas love is coming from for the Giants. Yeah, they're coming off a win against a very Maybe bad. they know something. Maybe I, they know something. What is it? Well, I would love to know what they know. It certainly doesn't make sense to me. The Eagles can't put together a full 60 minutes, but you only need 30 minutes against the Giants. So, yeah, I think the Eagles win. They cover. And then, Steven, we'll jump it right next. Buffalo is somehow – well, not even somehow. They are at 13.5-point favorites against fellow New York team, the New York Jets. I I know it's a lot of points. I just don't know unless Gase magically is fired before this Sunday's game goes out. I'm picking the Bills to cover 13 and a half. That's a ton of points in the NFL. It feels like a trap, 
but the Jets freaking suck, man. And I did forget to put this disclaimer out here. We are we are recording this early in the week, so these lines are subject to change. But for right now, minus 13 and a half, I'm still confident in this line. I'm going to go with Bills 13, minus 13 and a half as well, Wally. But we're educated gamblers. We're going to wait until at least Friday or Saturday to see what that line is set at. Hopefully that is not going to raise anymore because, honestly, if you see a Buffalo, Buffalo Bills like minus 15 and a half, I just see as unrealistic, and I never thought I'd ever see that as a gambler. <laughs> but I'm going to have to go with the Bills minus 13 and a half. We're going to get the Cleveland Browns here. Battle of Ohio, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cleveland's given minus three. I'm interested about this. Over-under set at 50 and a half. You know what? I'm going Bengals plus three on this, Wally. It's the home game. It's the Battle of Ohio. And I know right when I say Bengals plus three, that means that the Browns are going to win by minimum a touchdown because anytime I – no matter what direction I go with the Browns, <laughs> the opposite is happening. So I'm going to go with the Bengals plus three. Wally, what are you thinking? See, it's interesting that you say that. First of all, for me, I have it at three and a half. But the money is coming in hard over here in Pennsylvania on the Bengals plus three and a half like you. The line's at minus 128 versus the plus 104 for the Browns. That's typically a trend of where you would want to put your money. But with that, I I don't know. I've got a weird feeling that Browns are going to have a big comeback game. The Bengals' defense is terrible. It's going to be a shootout one way or another. I feel like the over of, my, of 50, if anything, that feels like the lock. But I'm going to take the Browns to cover with a minus three and a half and win. I think this just feels like a game that's it, – it, it feels almost like a must win, especially right before Vegas comes in. You don't want to be four and three and all of a sudden potentially have a really difficult game at home again and then be four and four and everything. The sky's going to fall in Cleveland. You know how those fans are. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. So, I'm I'm friends with a bunch of them. Exactly. Yeah, you definitely get it too. So yeah, I think Browns minus three and a half, but that's going to be a, a fun game to watch. Speaking of fun games to watch, I'm not going to talk about one. We're going to talk about Dallas going to Washington, <laughs> which is a game that if anyone has the choice, you will not be watching. But if you are and you do want to have money on it, as it sits right now, Washington is a one-point favorite over the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is very not good. <laughs> I did not expect them to be underdogs still. Even on the road at Washington. I'll be honest, I think I'm going to pick Cowboys to win outright. I know the plus one. I, I, I just don't have too much faith in this Washington team. If Washington were to win, you're going to have to get a big effort out of that defense. You're going to have to have someone like Chase Young kind of take over a game. For me, it's not going to happen. I have Dallas winning. Steven, do you even want to bet this game? <laughs> no, I don't want I don't want to at all. But this is at the end of the day, this is what's gonna, you know, get our numbers up to make us look like we're uh competent gamblers. I have them as a pick on my on my book. So I'm gonna pick Dallas on here. I just feel like it's as watching Mike McCarthy for a decade plus, he never will come on back to back. You know, back-to-back games, he'll never have the same performance. So I'm going to go with Dallas on this as a pick But a side bet, I would pick a game prop of over the amount of sacks. It's typically usually set at like five, five and a half. 
This one, I would hammer it. I am more confident on picking this sack bet than actually picking the spread. Pick them or minus one and a half on this. I'm going to go with that, but I'll I'll half-ass, uh, you know, go with Dallas on this. Speaking of half-assed, my goodness, Detroit. What the hell is up with the spreads this week? Detroit, one and a half point underdogs at Atlanta. Over-under set at 56 and a half. If I'm looking at this game right now, I'm going I'm going the over 56 and a half. Both these quarterbacks, it's Matt Ryan and then a poor version of Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford. I, this has overwritten all over it. The Falcons, that defense cannot stop a nosebleed. The Detroit defense, well, it's Detroit. When have they ever been good the past few years? So I'm going to go with the over on this, and that's my that's my pick for this game. Walter? I'm going to actually go with the Falcons to cover minus one and a half or minus two in my book. I think that the firing of Dan Quinn has a little, little bit of a fire under his team. It's easy to say that coming off a win against Minnesota, who's a very bad football team, but it's not like the Detroit Lions are world beaters. I think going back home, a little bit of momentum here. You might see the Falcons at least ease into this season a little bit. I don't think they're going to do anything special, but I think they could reel off a few games and at least get put in that in-the-hunt graphic we're going to be seeing in November on the right side of your football screen. So, yeah, for me, I have the Falcons to cover and win. But, Steven, I also we want to stick in the NFC South here a little bit. We have a division matchup. Carolina is going to New Orleans. On my book right now, New Orleans is seven and a half point home favorites. To me, that seems like a lot of points for an offense that has been hit or miss this year. I know the Panthers are coming off a loss and are going on the road here, but I kind of think the Panthers are going to cover this game. You know what? No, I'm going to get I'm gonna go crazy here. I'm going bold on in here, Steven. I'm calling for a Carolina outright money line win in this. Walter. It's Walter, so, you plus two nineties what I have. Plus two nineties what I got. That's good value. You drop down a hundred bucks on that. You're walking away with three ninety if Carolina wins. Well, if that's the case, yeah, this spread's kind of tricky to look at right now. The seven and a half is very, very enticing. So I have New Orleans minus seven and a half, and that's what I'm going to go with because I think that they're going to win by a touchdown, thus covering both of our spreads. But Mike Thomas is expected to be back this week. Hopefully that he's not going to be arguing with with uh you know Sean, whatever the fuck his last name is at this, Chauncey at this Gardner point. Johnson or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> Him or Sean Payton. Oh, true. Good point. So I'm going to take them plus seven and a half right now. If the lines, I'm a, I'm expecting this line to move down a little bit. Which I'm anything under seven, I'm taking New Orleans on all day. Oh, and here we go, baby. The redemption game for my boys. Green Bay Packers are traveling to Houston for the Houston Texans. The Packers are minus three and a half point underdogs in this game. Texans haven't really proved anything to me, especially defensively, that they can't do anything. Offensively, they can get it going, but at the end of the day, their defense is causing them. 
I'm going to stick with my boys. I'm going to wait for this line to die down here till about Thursday or Friday when it goes three or below. But I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Packers all day with this. Wally, what are you thinking? Uh, what I'm thinking, and I, you know I don't usually put over-unders as my picks, but without a doubt for me, this is where you take the over. The over of 56 feels like a home run here. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think both teams are going to put up a lot of points. I'm right up in the air at three and a half right now. I think I think I would go with the Packers to win, but I think I would go with Houston to cover. I think this is going to be a, a field goal game. Maybe even you might see a, a one-two point kind of win. It's going to be one of the games of the weekend for me. I'm very excited to see how the Packers respond to that difficult loss. And I'm also very excited to see how the Romeo Cornell-led Texans respond to a very difficult loss in Tennessee. It felt like a game they had to win. Does the team come back and have a little bit of a fire in their gut? Or are they going to roll over, which is very possible too. So for me, like I said, Packers win, Texans cover. Now, the Steelers are going to that Tennessee Titans team that we were just talking about. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites. This is the battle of the undefeateds right now. One of the games of the year to this point. Like I said, to me, this is the the game, the matchup between the two teams that I think could beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. I don't know if I'd go that far to say I think either will do it, but it's a game to keep your eye on. It's a fun one here. Minus two and a half. If there was a game I would stay away from, it would be this, but that's not what we're doing here. I am going to take the Steelers to win and to cover. I think that if there is a front seven in the NFL that can slow Derrick Henry down, It's this Pittsburgh Steelers front seven. And let's see if Ryan Tannehill can do what he's been doing without the rushing attack. It's a huge question mark there. I think the Steelers are going to win this game. Might be ugly on the scoreboard. This feels kind of like a 20-17 to kind of game. But I do have the Steelers winning and covering. Steven, do you agree with me? Or are you going to go the other way? You think Titans defend home turf? Oh, I'm not not touching the spread all day. You, You just said it right there. You feel like this is a 20 to 17 type game. I'm riding the under. The under is at 52 right now. I am riding that. These are, you have some of the top defenses in the league facing off against each other here. Obviously, you know that we had Pittsburgh as the number two defense. Tennessee is obviously not the defense that we're expecting of last year. But this has to be this has to be the game where Pittsburgh just plays to the level of their opponent. This has to be it. And it's going to be it. And to kind of make your point, I want to backtrack Ryan Tannehill without giving a running game. Yeah. He's the only reason that they're that they are undefeated right now. There's been a couple games where they cannot get the running game going. And Ryan Tannehill has been the savior. For this game, I agree that this Pittsburgh front seven is going to be rough for Derrick Henry. But at the same time, this Pittsburgh secondary is going to be rough for Ryan Tannehill. I have this game 52 under easily. Like you said, I agree with you, Wally. 20 to 17 has like, even a 23 to 17 has this has that score written all over this game right now. So I could not agree more. Battle of the birds. Battle of the <laughs> birds aren't real.com. We, we should probably get a sponsorship with them, right? I'm ready. All right. I'll message them after this. The Seattle Seahawks, man, oh, man. Last time I checked, I thought I had 20-20 vision, but all of a sudden, 
your boy needs glasses. Because Seattle's only a three and a half point favorite over Arizona in Arizona. Wally, we've almost been tricked with this before when Seattle was visiting the Dolphins. But I will be damned if I'm going to be tricked on this. I'm taking Seattle minus three and a half. And tell me something that I must not be seeing causing me that, you know, telling me that I should bet on the Cardinals. So I'm taking the Seahawks minus three all day. I'm going to shock you, Steven. I am buying in to the low spread here, and I'm going to go a step further. I think the Cardinals win this game outright, and I'll tell you why. I think that they are going to struggle with the mobility of Kyler Murray. You're not going to see the sexy stat line from Kyler Murray in the past game this week. What I think you're going to see is the sexy run game from Kyler Murray. I think you're going to see him run the ball eight to ten times, maybe up right around 100 yards. It's going to open things up enough. I think they're going to win this game somewhere in the neighborhood of like 27-24. I would not be shocked in any way if you do end up being right and the Hawks do cover this game. This just feels like the game that's going to put the Cardinals in the legitimate chase for the rest of the year. If you if you want to belong in the playoffs, you're going to have to win games like this. The Cardinals so far this year, they've won the games you're supposed to. They've lost the games they were supposed to lose. I think this is where they're going to finally start separating themselves and prove they belong, at least in the conversation, of the NFC West wildcard games. Now, we're going to go down to Jacksonville visiting the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Feels like a lot for the Chargers. But then you consider the Jags, who have just completely rolled over and died since week one. I think the Chargers win and they cover. Justin Herbert continues to impress. And the Jaguars are very comfortably sitting in that number one spot or number one draft pick race. Do you think the Jaguars cover or do you think the Chargers are able to run it up the score a little bit here? This is an interesting game. But I'm going to have to go with the Chargers. I am I am all on the Justin Herbert train. Way more than I was expecting I was going to be at the beginning of the season. But, man, this kid can ball. Who, who would have ever thought that a rookie going in to New Orleans, throwing up four touchdowns, and him not being the reason that they're losing that game, that's just outrageous to me. You know what? I'm going to fucking ride the Chargers. Minus seven and a half. That's what I have right now on my book against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't – the Chargers defense is not the defense that they're used to in these past couple years, but that's a defense that is still going to cause Gardner Minshew to struggle. I'm going to take the Chargers plus seven and a half for this for the time being. So I know the spreads are going to change, so I know that. But man, oh, man. I'll toss it here. I'll toss it here. Those fucking Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to your Las Vegas Raiders. As only a three-point favorite in Los Angeles. Wally, I'm taking your Raiders plus three. But you're just so modest. And honestly, quite frankly, you're a fucking pussy when it comes to betting your Raiders. So I'm going to take the Raiders plus three. I have full confidence. I think that this is going to be a fun offensive game and a mediocre defensive game. That there's going to be a couple plays on each side of each side of the ball defensively for those teams. But at the end of the day, I think finally Derek Carr potentially may shut these people up. 
Now shut me up, Wally, and tell me tell me uh, you're feeling me. You know what? It might have took me going to Vegas to happen, but I'm doing it. I'm taking the Raiders plus three, and I'm taking their money line. The Raiders are the third team I'm picking as a dog money line winner outright of at least two and a half points. I'm with you. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be able to throw as well as people are expecting them to do against Raiders secondary. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people are expecting. The Buccaneers run defense is going to slow Josh Jacobs up, which in turn is going to cause a little bit more pressure on Derek Carr to get it done through the air. But I think he gets it done. I think that the Raiders are going to win a very, very tight contest and prove to everyone in the NFL community that this team is for real. This team, all of a sudden, I mean, they're only a game out of first if that happens. So I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm riding. Raiders are going to cover, and they win outright. And that's all I got to say on that. Viva Las Vegas. It's going to happen. Unfortunately, we're going to go to your rival Bears now, going to the Rams. Rams coming off that bitter loss. Do you think the Rams are going to cover? On my book, it's minus five and a half. I personally think that the Rams win, but the Bears are going to cover. This feels like a three or a four-point win, which I think at the end of the day, you would take as long as the Bears do show up again in the loss column. But do you think the Bears cover five and a half? Or do the Rams get back on the horse and finally uh, figure things out on offense? I feel like the Chicago Bears and Rams matchup is every single year, and it's always a good game. And that is such a Chicago Bears spread. Five, five and a half, four, four and a half. It's always just those ugly ones that you never really want to pick, but you just always end up picking. I'm going to have to go with the Rams on this one. You know, I've... It's not even the fact that I just absolutely hate Chicago because at least if I see a spread that Chicago's in, I can be like, yeah, I want them to win, but I feel like Chicago will cover. In this particular instance, I do not think Chicago's going to cover. I think that this is going to be the game that the Rams finally show out a little bit more than they have here the past three or four weeks when we were kind of on their bandwagon here. Then they kind of died off. This is the game that gets them back a little bit, just dominating that defense. I know it's it's a really weird scenario this year with really no home field advantage, but that's the best home, home field advantage you can have, traveling across the coast and sleeping in your own bed. Well, for the LA Rams, staying in their own in their own bed. But for Chicago's standpoint, it's horrible. So that's going to be a very fun matchup. I have the Rams covering that minus five and a half. Personally, I would not take them until it dies down here a little bit. I have a feeling it's going to go. It's going to end at four, like Rams minus four. And I take that in a heartbeat. You know what? Fuck it. I'll take the Rams at minus five and a half here. Not a problem at all. And to wrap us on up, the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the Denver Broncos, where the Chiefs are 10-point favorites, over-under set at 48 and a half. I have to go to the Chiefs minus 10. This is going to be the game. Le'Veon Bell's just going to ball out. Nah, I don't really have confidence in that. But this is just going to be a game where the Chiefs just ball. They're winning these ugly games. Pat Mahomes sees all the comments about, oh, this offense is just simply not the same as it was last year. And this is going to be the game where that offense just absolutely blows chunks. I see this game being like a 35-3, to 35-8 
type really weird score. I have the Chiefs covering the 10. Not a problem at all. Wally, I know you're uh, not looking forward to talking about this, but you put me in a similar position before. So fire away. Man, I, I've i said time and time again that I was going to take the Chiefs and take them with the spread almost the entire year without fail. I think that the Broncos are going to make this a touchdown game, though. The Chiefs are going to win. I think that you're going to see Drew Locke look a little bit better than we saw him this last weekend. I think he's going to start easing back into the offense. He's healthy again. Everything seems okay here. I, I It's tough. I really do want to take the Chiefs with you. But the way they've been playing, even in wins, I think I've got to do it. I think I'm going to take the Broncos plus. For me, it's nine and a half. But the Chiefs, without a doubt, win this game. I could very well be wrong. You could be right again that they do cover. But I just don't see it, man. Well, that's not a problem, Wally. I am more than happy you know, showing you wrong again about making a Chiefs bet. So I'm okay with that, bud. But that's going to wrap us up here for another great episode of Loss of Down. Please check us out on all of our social media platforms on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, at your loss of down. Pretty surprising. No one has that title already taken on either of those uh, social media platforms. So I'm pretty pumped. As always, he is Walter Lukashensky. Thank you for joining me, buddy. Of course, I am Stephen Weed. Catch us here next week where we run through what week seven's looking like, how our bets are looking, and potentially how we can get you out of that hole following a horrible Thursday and Saturday of gambling. So, of course, we are Loss of Down. Check us out here next week. Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor.fm. And we'll check you out here next week. Buckeyes by a million over Nebraska. Hammer it. Hammer it.